We're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures today. I don't have one particular scripture to turn to. There will be a lot of scriptures we're going to go through up on the board, and it's going to kind of be rapid fire. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you're certainly most welcome to do so, but I don't know that you'll have time to quite get there. As usual, I would encourage you to go back over the notes that we post online, uh, look through these scriptures on your own, especially because I don't have the time this morning to talk about all the, the context that surrounds these passages, uh, but it's important that we read them within their context, and I would encourage you to go back on your own time and just read those and, and listen to the Lord about what He would have for you. We are uh, talking about our relationships as human beings. Last week, we began to look at what does it mean to be a human being, and we saw that it is God, that, who, that God is the one who defines us, that He tells us who we are, and as we read His Word, it says that we are made in His image. Now, I, I don't know about you and what your personality is, and, and maybe for, for those of you who have um, been in, in church, maybe while I've, I've been pastor, you, you didn't get to see me growing up or when I was younger or what I was like. Uh, so this might be uh, a little weird to think about, but I'm kind of an introvert. Like my, my preference would be to like be sitting back there in the back, just like running sound or, you know, doing stuff kind of in the background, you know, moving tables and chairs around and, and things like that. Like, um, I know some of you are like really outgoing ex- extroverts, like you can talk to anybody anywhere all the time and that, that's a cool skill to have. Like I see that and like that, that's awesome. But that's something that like I've got to work at and I've got to rely on God's strength to get me in that place because my normal default mode is just like head down, mind my own business and not really pay much attention to what's going on around me and just like focusing on, on me and you know, the stuff that I've got to take care of and stuff that I'm responsible for. And one of the things that God has been working on me is, like, opening my eyes to what's going on around me. Like, we sang that song, like, uh, fill me with your love and open my eyes to, to those around me kind of thing. And uh, earlier this week, uh, William got sick. He spent, spent a whole day sick again, and he had recently had strep throat, and it was all the same symptoms. So we decided that we are going to take him to the doctor, and instead of make the trek up to the pediatrician in Harrisonburg. I just went to the uh, urgent care out here in town. And as I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of doing my default thing, which is like just, you know, minding my business and make sure he's taken care of and make sure that he doesn't get sick everywhere and all those kinds of things. And as I'm sitting there, I'm reading a book, and God just like kind of reminds me to look up and notice the people around me. And I really didn't have any conversations. I wasn't going to like pry in their business or anything like that, but to just start noticing and realizing that the people that I'm sitting next to are people that are made in His image. They're people that He cares about. And there, there are times where, like, if I'm honest, it's like, i just rather sit here and not get involved. But that's not who our God is. God didn't just sit back when He saw us suffering. He didn't just sit back, but rather He got involved. He took on flesh. He he was God in human form, and he came down and he lived among the people that he created. And God's just kind of pushing me, like, I'm not going to go out and get in everybody's business. That's just not, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. But just start paying attention more 
to the people around you and look for opportunities to be an encouragement and to be a blessing. And, and some of you are just really naturally good at that. And that's something that, that I kind of have to, have to work at and God's got to kind of wake me up. But we're thinking about how humanity is unique among all of creation and that we are created in the image of God and we need to make sure that we're treating people that way. Last week we focused in on Genesis uh, 1 where it talked about how God made man in his image, male and female, he created them. And we were saying that, that everyone has significance and value, that it's just we have inherent dignity and worth, like we really matter. And this applies to all of humanity, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is. And today we want to take that idea a step further, and I want to begin with these questions of like, how do I see people? Do I really see them? Like, what judgments do I make about them? Maybe I categorize people in certain ways. Maybe I notice their age, or maybe I notice their attire, or maybe I notice whatever, whatever the, the, the characteristic is. Maybe I, I, I see people, and, in, and instead of getting to know them as the unique image of God, I just kind of put them in little boxes. How does the way that I see people and the way that I kind of just naturally make judgments and create pictures of them in my head that may not be true, how does that affect the way that I treat them or approach them? These are all things that we want to evaluate because we want to cherish the gifts that God has given us in other people. If we're really taking it seriously that everyone is made in God's image and everyone matters to God, then we need to make sure that we're not categorizing people and putting them in boxes and, and uh, prejudging them in ways that would minimize who they are. Because God cares about absolutely everyone. And today we're going to be looking through different kind of groups or, or, or ways of categorizing and really, real, really looking at what Scripture says about how God cares for each individual. God has a lot to say about his people that he's created. And it's important that we understand that God cares about everyone no matter their social status, no matter their age, no matter their health, no matter their country of origin. And we want to really dig into what God has to say. So this morning we're going to look through and we're going to start with the idea of social status, that God is uh, not of God of favoritism, and he cares about everyone no matter where they fall. We can think about categories of rich or poor. We think about people who have uh, lots of things in this, in this life, lots of material possessions, we would consider them wealthy, and then people who have very little. We can think of this in terms of popularity, people are, who are um, admired by the crowd or people who are despised by the crowd. We can think about this in terms of uh, power hier hierarchies, right? We live in systems where there are um, authorities and there are people who are in charge and who are given responsibility and then there are people who are, we would maybe see like lower on the ladder. And when we look at what Scripture says, like God has a lot to say about these categories and how we're to value people, not make judgments based on these ideas. So we're going to begin by looking at Deuteronomy 
chapter 19. And in Deuteronomy chapter 19, this is where um, God is, is laying out how the Israelites are supposed to live. And he basically says, you need to treat everyone fairly. And if you look here, it says in verse 15, do not pervert justice and do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. This is the idea that, that we're to treat everyone with fairness and not to pick sides. Don't uh, favor rich, wealthy people because they have something that they can offer you, but neither when you're trying to seek justice should you show partiality to the poor. Don't just, don't just choose the side of the poor because they're poor, but rather seek to do the right thing. Don't take this social status, this economic status, into account when you're trying to bring about justice. And there's just scripture after scripture after scripture that we could go through where God hammers this home. In James chapter 2, James tells the church, he's like, as you're having meetings, you need to make sure that you're not showing favoritism to, to wealthy people or poor people. But he says there, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Right? And he's like, basically, don't judge on appearance. That, that someone's character, someone's closeness to God is not determined by their wealth or by their status. In, in Jesus' day, it was, it was thought that like if you were poor, it was because you were a sinner and God did not have favor on you. And if you had a lot of stuff, if you were, if you were wealthy, then you must have been doing the right thing and God was blessing you. And, and that, that is absolutely wrong way to think about it. And James says, you're, you're not supposed to uh, you know, when people pull in, like, oh, what kind of car are they driving? Are they driving a nice car? Or do, you, do you know what they're giving or how much they're putting in the offering plate? Make sure you take care of those people. Any, it's, it's nothing like that, but, but rather, God does not show favoritism, and we ought to treat everyone as if they are um, just incredibly valuable because they're made in the image of God. Talking about this idea of popularity, again, back in the Old Testament, in, in Exodus, uh, chapter 23, verses 2 and 3. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. See, there's this balance, right? Like, don't just go with the crowd and do what's popular. Do the right thing. But also, don't just favor those who are maybe struggling economically in this life. Do what's right and not necessarily what is popular. Over and over again, our God is shown as a God of justice. And we need to make sure that we are seeking to do right by people and not picking sides based on these external factors. And this goes beyond, as I said, to not just economic stuff, but, but also um, in these power hierarchies that we live in. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 9, uh, we have people who are coming to know Christ, and they're living in this system where there are, are masters and servants and masters and, and slaves. And Paul gives instructions about how Christians are supposed to operate within, within that household structure. And he talks about 
slaves serving well as if, as if they're serving the Lord. And then he looks at the masters and he, and he tells them, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So in other words, if you find yourself in um, a power structure where you, where you have some authority and you have people under you that you're, that you're responsible for overseeing and looking over them, you, you need to make sure that, that you realize that there is someone who is above you. And that is, that is God. And he will judge, not based on the power that you exercise on this earth, but he will judge rightly. And we need to understand that when we're in any kind of structure where there is this hierarchy, you know, it's, just, it's just naturally what happens. It's, it's kind of the way things work. But when we're in that structure, we're serving in a godly way rather than a way that seeks to abuse and take advantage of power and position, right? So God, in, in all of this, is saying, hey, I'm not looking at humanity and judging based on social status or economic influence or any kind of power that you have. Rather, I am judging each person by what is right. And you need to value each person as an individual before God, not based on whether they're popular or wealthy or they have power or not, right? Everyone matters to God. Another category that we might look at as we think about social status, we'd move on and begin to think about the idea of health. You know, similarly, in the days of Jesus, the Jews, if 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 someone was sick, if they were born with uh, some kind of disability, if they were blind or they had an, uh, something wrong with their leg, they were crippled in some way, uh, they would look and see that as God's judgment. And they would say, that person must have sinned. You remember the story uh, as Jesus uh, comes to heal a blind man, the disciples are like, hey, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born this way? And Jesus said, it's not like that at all. That, like, <laughs> Like, this is not a sign of God's judgment on this guy or his family. Like, God doesn't judge people based on their health, whether there's some kind of illness or, or sickness, right? If, if you think about it, like, even, uh, you know, if you consider yourself generally healthy, we all kind of live on this scale where, like, degrees of health, right? There are people who really, really suffer in this life. And then there are people who, you know, maybe are mostly healthy, but you just realize, like, you're never, like, completely whole. There's always something that hurts, right? It's just, like, living in a fallen world. This is the result of the fall. There's, there's always seems to be something to go to the doctor about. There's, there's always trouble. And, and God is very concerned that we look after people who are in these difficult circumstances where they're suffering from a, from a physical illness or a physical disease. In the law, as he's explaining how the Israelites are to love one another. He says, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord, right? Like, don't take advantage of people when they are hurting, when they have a disability. Like, well, what does it matter? The deaf person's not going to hear anyway. No, it's still not right. God hears, and, and you need to value them. You need to care about them. You need to fear God. God calls out the leaders of Israel in the book of Ezekiel because they are feeding themselves and they are not looking after the people that uh, God has put 
under their care. And he says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel! You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured, right? Like that was their job, was to, to shepherd the people of Israel. And he says, you're not taking care of them. You're not, you're not healing the sick. You're not strengthening the weak. In, in Jesus' time, it's agricultural society, right? Like your value and your worth was kind of like what you could produce because you got to plow and you got to sow and you got to harvest and you got to carry things. Like fortunately, like I work a job, the only thing I have to carry is some chairs and tables every now and then, you know? It's not like I'm out in the field slaving away. But, um, but like in that time, it was all about like kind of just like physical muscle and what you could do. And so people who had some kind of disability or some kind of illness, they were really at a disadvantage, there, there was not much you can do. And it's why we, when you read the New Testament, many of these people are just sitting by the side of the road begging because that's the only way that they can provide for themselves. They can't go out and work in the field the way that other people could. And so Jesus, when he's talking about care for those people, look at what he says here in Luke chapter 14. He says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Right? Jesus is like, hey, you need to pay attention to those people who aren't doing so well, who are, who are suffering. And when, when you have a party, when you throw a party, invite those people. Don't be looking at people who can reciprocate the favor, but rather look after the people who are needy. Like, Jesus over and over again has compassion on those who are hurting and broken. He sees people in their suffering, and he shows them mercy. Like, our God is a God who heals, a God who does miracles. And so if we see someone struggling, our heart should go to mercy. And here's the thing, like, if you're in a situation where you find yourself struggling, whether it's an illness or some kind of physical limitation that you may have, you need to understand that you have a lot to offer. Like you may be tempted to think, well, I can't do fill in the blank, so I don't have much to give. But we need to remember that our value is not in what we do. I said this last week, I'm going to hammer this again. Our value is not in what we can produce or how we achieve, but our value is being made in the image of God. And each person, as a follower of Jesus, has something to offer everyone else. Like, for those of you who've, who've been around here a, a long time, you'll remember a lady by the name of Pam Brooks. Pam Brooks is the daughter of Carolyn Dill. Carolyn has had surgery recently. She's not been able to come. Uh, but, but Pam, um, for like the majority of her adult life suffered from debilitating arthritis. Like, it destroyed her body. I don't remember a time, there, there are people who do, but I don't remember a time where Pam was healthy and could walk normally. Uh, most often she uh, rode a scooter. And, and I was a teenager growing up around church when, when Pam was here. And Pam is uh, a distant, or was a distant relative of mine. Uh, she's since gone to be with the Lord as a result of this illness. But, but Pam, though she suffered greatly and spent a great deal of time in, in the hospital and just 
could not live life the way that, that we get to live life because of this disability that she had. She loved Jesus. She taught me to know Jesus. She taught me to pray and to read the Scripture and to love the Lord and to worship. She set up our uh, projector and the, the PowerPoint stuff. We're, we've since moved away from that, but we used that for a good 20 years, you know? And, like, Pam was, was such a blessing, and it was so encouraging and heartbreaking at the same time to see the way that she suffered, but the way that she bore it with grace, and she saw herself as a missionary to, like, those in the hospital. Essentially, she was going to be in the hospital, so she was going to tell people about God. And I know Andy and Brenda served her for, for years and years and years, and it's just, like, there's so much that we can gain from paying attention to the lessons learned by those who are in different situations, by those who are suffering in greater ways than we're suffering. And we need not to think that just because I'm suffering, I've got nothing to offer. God wants to work in you wherever you are. And we need to pay attention to the lessons that we might learn. So there's one more category that I want to talk about today. We've talked about social status. We've, we've talked about health. The other category that we're going to talk about this morning that, that God says a lot about in his word is this, this idea of age. Like, where do you find yourself in stages of life? We all, we all progress, you know, um, from the womb to ultimately the grave. And God cares about people in every stage of life. There's not one stage of life that is more valued or more productive or better or worse. But God cares about the unborn. He cares about children. He cares about the young. And he cares about the old. And that we need to make sure that when we see people, we're not just classifying them in one of these categories and setting them off to the corner like they don't have much to offer, right? We think about those who are in the womb. You'll be familiar with the scripture probably, but it's Psalm 139, 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Like it's just wild. We talked about last week about we were created in God's image. And God blessed humanity and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, he set up the world so that humans could reproduce themselves. That's just a, a wild thought for me, right? Like, like, why doesn't God just make each individual person, you know, just out of the dust of the earth and breathe life into them, right? But that, that's, not how, that's not how it is. Like, God created humanity to reproduce life. That out of the loving relationship of a husband and wife, there comes life. That was God's intent, and that's God's design. And we see this affirmed over and over in the Scripture. I don't have time to go through all the verses, but, but just one more. We, we see God saying this about uh, the prophet Jeremiah. It's like, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In other words, like God has plans for people even when they're in the womb. Like before they're born. Even at the earliest stages of life, life should be valued and protected. Because God cares and God has plans. And it's important that we don't minimize that. We don't set that aside but we treat it and value it the way that God desires. This extends to children as well. The Scripture says that children are a blessing. And my children are, are awesome. They're a lot of fun. And they're like, they're, there's so much that I'm learning about uh, life and about a relationship with God that I would not have learned if it were not for my children. There are things that, that my children come and, and, and tell me about, and maybe they're complaining about something or they're, or they're seeing something in a new way, and, and I think, God, how do I handle this? And then I recognize that many ways, like, they're helping me understand how I relate to God. And God will say, well, where have I heard that before, Brandon? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've said things like that. You know, I've asked questions like that. I've wondered those things. And I'm learning about uh, the love that God has for me as I raise my children. Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 36, it says that he took a little child whom he placed among them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me, right? Jesus valued the little ones. Again, in Mark 10, we see this is people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Like, Jesus was coming to save humanity from their sins. He was coming to announce the kingdom of God. He was coming to die on a cross. But he saw the little ones as important. You know, sometimes when I'm really stressed out and busy and I've got a lot to do on my plate, sometimes I look at little ones and I think, get out of the way. I got stuff to do but they're not in the way. They are a gift to be treasured and honored. Jesus says, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter it. Again, we have a lot that we can learn from them. It's really fun listening to my kids and the things that they pray about, the things that they're concerned about, and the just faith that they have, like, hey, God, help us here. And I'm like, yep, we're going to pray. That's right, we're going to pray. God affirms not only with children, but both young and old. Sometimes cultures, as they progress, begin to think that those who are older are obsolete, and they just need to move out of the way and let the young people who've got it all figured out after their 20 years of life take care of it. But that's wrong-headed. That's not the right way to think. They're gifts of both youth and 
old age. Watch this. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter is explaining what's going on. And he, he quotes from the prophets and he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, right? Notice that. Um, sons and daughters, young men and old, God will speak to all. Just as a side note, like, what, why do young men see visions and old men dream dreams? I, I, as I get older, I take more naps. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Like, no, but seriously, like, God's been speaking to me in dreams lately. I had this, I had this dream the other night, and... Um, just a lot of stuff going on in my life. I was in an argument in the dream with someone. And they were like, look at this passage. It's right there. And it I was like, whatever. And they, they named a Bible verse. And I woke up. And I could remember the Bible verse that they named. And I looked at the Bible verse, and it spoke directly to something that I was working through in my life. It was not at all related to the argument I was having with this person in the dream. But the Bible verse was there. I didn't know it was in that Bible verse, but in that dream, there was this Bible verse that was uh, cited to me, and I went and read it, and I was like, oh, God, that's exactly kind of like what I need to hear right now. And like God will speak to anyone if we're open. I like this, this proverb, the glory of young men is their strength, gray hair is the splendor of the old. I'm finding more and more of gray hairs. And uh, it's splendor, it's glory. Like there's, there is glory and value and worth in both young and old is what this passage is saying. And then again, this, this psalm, pay attention to this. It says, since my youth, God, you have taught me and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So in other words, like we used to sing this song, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, right? And there's a line in there that was like, praise you when I'm young and praise you when I'm old, right? And look at the, 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 the insight that he has here. Like as he ages, he says, I have a job to do. And what is his job? To declare... God's power to the next generation. Now, I don't know if I'm ever going to retire. I hope maybe one day that that'll be the case. And maybe many of you who are retired now thought that too. Like, is it ever going to happen? Like, I don't know what that's going to be like. Um, I know that many people who retire find out that they have much more work to do now than they did before. It's all the things they couldn't get to before. And um, I, I don't know what that's going to be like. Some of you do know what that's like. But God never says, you're done. As I talk to Agnes, Agnes is still sick, by the way, if you guys would pray for her. Um, as I talk to her, she keeps telling me, she's like, well, I'm still waiting for God to show me what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm like, well, how old are you, Agnes? I won't tell you what her answer was. Um, but I'm still waiting for God to, to show me what I'm going to be when I grow up. Like, that kind of attitude, like, God has plans and purposes for you for all of your days that you're here on this earth. And there's never a time where God's just going to set you aside and say, I'm done with you. You just sit over there until you die while this next generation takes, takes charge. Like, that's not the picture at all. Like, there, there is 
a job and a calling to make sure that the next generation hears of God's mighty deeds, God's mighty power. There are things that God has done in your life. There are ways that He has shown up and worked and moved and provided and healed, and people need to hear about it. The young people in the church, as they're downstairs, they're right underneath of us, uh, reading the scripture and playing games and having fun. My kids, Emerson, these young men that are sitting here in in our meeting today, they need to hear the mighty things that God has done in your life so that you can build them up in their faith. They need to know that God is faithful. And your testimony is one way that they can be encouraged that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who will protect them, who will provide for them, who will look after them all the days that they walk this earth. You're called to share the wisdom and teach the ways of God. So we've talked about three different categories today. And again, it's not so that we can classify those people and just put them into categories and kind of like pigeonhole them over there. It's to, to lay out that like God really does care about every individual. And we ought not look and like categorize people and go, well, you don't count because you're young. Or you don't count because you're sick. Or, or you don't count because you're too rich. You don't understand what my life is like. N- nothing of that sort. We understand that all of human life is sacred. And that our value doesn't depend on social status or health or age. That everyone is made in the image of God and God cares about each person, no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in or the stage of life that we're in, God cares. And the question is, will I act like it? And I need to take seriously, like, how do I view people? Do I view people the way that God views people? Do I even see people? Like I told you, my temptation is just to put my head down and put the blinders on and just do my thing. And God's got to say, no, pay attention to those around you. Like, what are the preconceived ideas that I have that I need to set aside? Like, if I see someone who's old or young and I just go, eh, probably not much, or, yeah, they might have something to offer. No, that, that's not the way I should think at all. I set aside those judgments. And how will I treat each person as a unique image bearer of God? Because they are put on this earth to be a blessing. Will I treat them as such and value them as such and serve them as if I'm serving the Lord Jesus himself? This is what God calls us to as we love him and we love those around us. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to study your word and to dig deep into it. God, I know that we covered a lot of ground this morning, but God, I pray that you would begin to open our hearts to what you're doing, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of the people around us. God, I pray that you would put us in circumstances where we could love and serve and speak blessing and encouragement and speak life and hope over people, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see us the way that you see us and see others the way that you see them so that we could live a life of love and service. God, I pray that your will would be done in us. In Jesus' name, amen.